You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number 13. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. Would the real Jesus please stand up? For most of us, at some point in our lives, we've been fed a version of Jesus that turned us away from Christianity. In this episode, we'll demystify and uncover the real Jesus, the one we can't help but love. My guest today is Jamie Amory. She's an author, speaker, and popular blogger at Sacred Ground Sticky Floors. She was born to a Mormon mother and non-religious father and spent her growing up years moving around the country, struggling to make friends and fit in. All the while, she strove to please a Jesus who was far from real, a pattern that continued into her adult life. She's married to Justin, the mother to Maggie, John, Luke, Sophie, Sam, and Charlie. Jamie and I talk about true grace and why it's important that we understand the new covenant in order to really get who Jesus is. This isn't your fluffy, churchy conversation. Oh, and I don't want you to miss why Jamie has had so many different names for Jesus. She has Target Jesus, Mormon Jesus, High School Jesus, Americanized Jesus, and the title of her new book, Stolen Jesus. If at this time of the year you would rather celebrate Christmas trees and hot chocolate than Jesus, we get it. I hope this episode makes you fall in love with Jesus in a way you never have been able to before. So let's get on with my conversation with Jamie. Jamie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, I've been so looking forward to it ever since I read your book and um, honestly just recently finished it and uh, was just so struck with so many times. I was like, me too, me too. (laughs) So um, I can't wait for people to hear um, your journey. So you've got a new book um, and really it, it covers so many different stories of your life where you're hilarious. Um, and real and authentic, which I so appreciate. And so your new book is called Stolen Jesus. Which is um, a picture in my house that I stole from a YMCA, and I refer to him as Stolen Jesus. Um, it was just a hilarious <laughs> story. Like from what you say yeah. in the book, you were at the YMCA, and you'd always walked past this picture of Jesus, which so many of us have seen. Um, and I'll put that in the um, show notes so people can see it on the website. But And you asked one day, where is it? And they said it was behind a filing cabinet, and so you stole mm-hmm. it? <laughs> I, well, they said, yeah, the, the receptionist said, management thinks it's too old-fashioned, and so they took it down and stuck it behind the filing cabinet and then they put up a dry erase board. And I just went back there and clocked out and took it home. I just was like, I, I just thought it was, it just offended me, <laughs> but, but stealing is wrong. But yeah. we, um, <laughs> did we they just ever notice to him as stolen Jesus? <laughs> did they so, ever notice um, it was gone? Were they ever like, hey? Nobody's ever said anything. <laughs> I keep waiting. I keep waiting for for that that other shoe to drop. Now that this has happened, of course, it's been years ago. Right. Um, about seven or eight years ago, I guess. So, 
Um, and one of the girls on my launch team actually messaged me because she worked at the Y, and it was her dry erase board that <laughs> <laughs> went up for her child care thing. And so she messaged me the other day when she was reading it. She was like, Jamie, that was my... That, you have Jesus, and I was like, we laughed and laughed just because she she didn't realize that that's what where it came from. But it's Jesse just kept saying, "You always make these." My agent Jesse Kirkland, you always make these references to these Jesuses, and she said, "I just think that when I'm pitching this, that stolen Jesus could be a whole other book." As I was writing the the first three or four chapters, I had actually broken up with Jesus, and and I um had this phrase pop in my mind, set, set captives free. And so I put a post-it note on my computer that said set captives free. And as I'm writing the book, and I mean, it was flying from my fingers and from mm-hmm. my heart. I could not stop writing it. It was, I would, I called my sister right after I wrote Americanized Jesus. And I said, I feel like I'm like on the brink of something, freedom, for myself, and I am still captive. So, what do, what's the punchline? Do I just tell them to read their Bible more? What, what, what's the catch? And she said, Jamie, I just listened to this audio. You've got to listen to this. I think that I'm, I think I found freedom, and you've got to listen to this. So, she brought it over. We listened to this audio together, and it was the message of grace, which I had never heard. And within 72 hours, I was finished with my book. So and really, turned it in. So what had happened was you had had, and I can't wait to get into this so people can understand, you had all these different ideas of who Jesus was based on the way you you grew up, and then you heard the message of grace, and that's what allowed you to, like you said, I was a captive, I was searching for this freedom, and then once Mm -hmm. you heard the story of grace, it set you free to write the rest of the book, which I Mm -hmm. love because Jesus was saying, like, I need you to communicate this. But most of the time, it's those of us that have learned it and have sought him that he just uses the broken things. Like you have said, um, I think in the book, you mentioned that you're dyslexic and um, Mm -hmm. where you got consistent, solid grades of D in high school and Mm -hmm. or what I don't know what grade it was, but that God, I just love that he uses um you know, this real personal story for you to write a book that people like me can read and say, me too. And so I really want, let's get, let's get into a little bit of your background so people know um, what this, what we're talking about. Um, So you talk about in your book, you have all these different names for Jesus. I think you have, um, uh, tell me a few of them. They're Americanized Jesus. Americanized Jesus. I start out with, um, uh, stolen Jesus, and then there's Mormon Jesus, fifth grade Jesus, high school Jesus, and then uh, Justin's Jesus, who's my husband. Right. So and was... then, um, sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. I mean, I've, I actually stumped. I was like, oh gosh, I hope she doesn't want me to name all of them. <laughs> that's okay. The beautiful thing about this podcast is Adam can edit out stuff. So. Okay, good. Yeah, he makes us sound really brilliant in the end. Um, okay, good. Uh, so what I love about all your different versions of Jesus is it's how Jesus was portrayed to you by different people. And you thought, well, this is what faith looks like. This is what relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus looks like. And so many of them were messed up that you got to yeah. the point where you were at this conference that you spoke about. And um, a gal you were talking to, you'd said, I broke up with Jesus. And she said, mm-hmm. it's easy to break up with Americanized Jesus. It's impossible impossible to break up with the real Jesus. Yes. 
it it was the first time, even though Jesse was suggesting it, it was the first time that I realized I I've got this so wrong. I've, I've I'm doing something wrong. If I can if I can compartmentalize him the way that I'm doing and walk away from him in this way, something's not right. And I knew it wasn't him. It had to be me. Right. So many <laughs> so, people, so many people have walked away from the Jesus that has been presented to them. Um, oh yeah. Whether it was family, or they find a fence with him. Yeah. Right. Because of things yeah. other people have done, or you say it really well in the book. You said, um, "Let me never steal Jesus from someone who needs him." Mm. Do you remember? And saying? I know I have. <laughs> That breaks my heart. Um, but I, I think it does come from that place of, of either just, you know, we all, we all go through different things and maybe we think we can identify or explain, but there's just no, there's no way. He, he's so exponentially good. And, and this is where it gets mixed up. This is where this message gets mixed up and where it was mixed up for me, you know, in seasons of loss where somebody, you know, says, well, God won't give you more than you can handle or, you mm-hmm. know, God must be trying to show you something. Or, and, and, and we really do, we, we try and humanize him, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we would do this for this reason, so he must be doing it for this reason, and surely we can explain him. And we mm-hmm. can't. And that's that robbing of him. And I and, and I do, I, I try not to ever dwell too much on, you know, where I may have done that. But I mean, I think I even did it with my kids. Um, you know, this taskmaster Jesus, when mm-hmm. when they were growing up, my first batch, our four biological kids. And I was so steeped in fear of something happening to one of them that I towed a very religious line, a checklist mm-hmm. of things that we had to get done so that he would remain pleased. And I know, I, I'm, I hope that I've showed them differently since I've come into the message of grace. I know they've read the book mm-hmm. and I know that they enjoy it, but it's, it, it's, um, it, it's things that we see in other people that then we project onto Jesus. Right. It's things that people have said. It's hurts that we've had that we project onto Jesus because we're used to dealing in the human and he's not human. He, he, he was human and he walked here, but he is fully God and he is fully good. And um, to describe him in any other way takes something away from him. And I know, you know, it's easy to do. It's easy to sit down with someone who's grieving and go, well, God, maybe maybe he's doing this or maybe he's doing this. No, he's just good. Yeah, He's just good. He's just here for you. He's just here to take care of you. He In this, in this life, we will have tribulation. It will be hard. And he conquered the world. He's just good. So what encouragement can you offer someone who maybe is feeling like, you know, it's Christmas and, you know, I I really don't want anything to do with Jesus or I don't really know who the real Jesus is? I I go back to my let Jesus be Jesus. I, um, I, I, I know I said this in the book, you know, for a long time, I think I worshiped at him <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of worshiping in him or resting in him. I never truly fell into his arms because I thought it was more like a bartering that um, went on. I, I was so afraid of something bad happening that I thought if I do this, this, and this, then maybe he won't do this or maybe he will do this. And I refer to that as an if then Jesus, mm-hmm. if I do this, then this will happen. You know, if, if I pay my tithe, then we'll have enough money. If I take in foster babies, then nothing bad will happen to 
my babies or, you know, mm-hmm. I, and, and I, I'm willing to admit that I'm willing to admit that I, I really did, didn't believe in, I didn't believe him. I believed, I believed he existed. I believed the teachings. I didn't believe in his goodness. And that came from the baggage of different religions, of things people said and did, and those things. But I think that it's the hard work of trying to get to know him. And I, when I say let Jesus be Jesus, I, I, I really do want people to think about this for a minute. Is there, in your, in your marriage, you know, there might be a season where you have to work through something where you need counseling or something like that. Like that. But think about when you met your spouse, or think about the very first time you held your child. What was the plan or the course of action for building a relationship with them? Did you analyze it? Did you did you go into it with like, like from a psychological perspective with a list of to dos of how you were going to get that done, or did you just rest in knowing them? And with God, we there's we have so much information, so many studies, so many so many different people with so many different opinions, and we've got the news blaring at us, everybody's opinion. And so it's very rarely this relationship that we step into where it's literally, how can I know you? What do you have Mm -hmm. to say to me? What do you want to show me? And letting him just be Jesus, instead of trying to figure him out or compartmentalize him or make something happen, just the act of getting to know someone. And not expecting it to look like anybody else's relationship, which I think is another key to him being stolen, is, you know, well, why does that person, you know, speak in tongues? And why does that person love to worship that way? And why did that person get a book deal? And why is that person this or this or this? Instead of all of those things, um, just letting him be and just letting him show you his true self and kind of waiting on that instead of trying to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me, I I can honestly say that that did not happen until this book. And when I fell into the message of grace and I heard this message, there's nothing left for you to do. It was accomplished on the cross, and He loves you exactly as you are right now, this way. I was so undone by it. And then our son left for the Marines, and we lost our foster daughter after 18 months, and I had no place to go, but just to fall into his arms and, and let him take care of me. And in that place, I can't even yeah. tell you what it was like because it really happened. Yeah. And I, I can't like tell you, this is how you do it. It was such a place of submission and of completely giving up and just letting him be father, a good father that I crave it for other people, but it, it's hard because people want to know, how do you yeah. do this? And I just go, do nothing. <laughs> right. Well, I think so many times people think, you know, all right, I want a deeper relationship with God, so I need to pray, I need to read. And we have all of these to-do list things. And and we're taught this in church. If you feel disconnected or distant from God, here's what you need to do. And they ask you the questions. Mm-hmm. Are you in the Word every morning? Are you tithing? Are you, you know, we try and come up with all these solutions. And I love it in the book where you even said, like, like at one point, you just you used to set your alarm for 5 a.m. to get up and spend time with Jesus in front of stolen Jesus mm-hmm. picture. And mm-hmm. you just said, I'm not going to do that. 
Because Jesus doesn't want us to be legalistic in his relation in our relationship with him any more right. than your husband wants that from you. And right. I think the thing that I love what you said, and I've heard someone else say this, and um, and it brings the um, brings it back to the core message of this podcast, which is learning how to love well. Um, is our whole goal now in life is to be loved and to love. That's it. Mm-hmm. And when we get entangled in all of the things we have to do to please God or to be loved by him, uh, it can take us completely off course. And he's like, I can imagine him saying, can I just spend time with you? And I think the Mm -hmm. challenge is a lot of people don't know how to spend time with him. You made reference to the five o'clock wake up call, which I think so many women um, in church going, God fearing women get into this early rise, Jesus, I, you know, where I had to get up early and be with them. And when I was trying to explain grace to my oldest daughter, because I'd just come into it, and I was like, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe what I've learned, mm-hmm. and you're not going to believe what's happened with my book. She said, I guess I don't understand. And I, and I used that example, and I said, you know, if I told you that every morning you had to meet me here, no matter what, at 5 a.m., and we were going to go over Scripture, and then you were going to, we were going to talk about what you'd done right and what you'd done wrong, even the stuff that we'd, I'd already forgiven you for, which so many of us do, and then you were going to tell me everything that you wanted and everything that you hoped for and everything you needed, and after we got finished talking, depending on whether or not I forgave you or thought you'd done well enough, I may or may not sprain your ankle. Would you show up every morning at 5 o'clock? And... She was like, oh, my gosh. But she recognized instantly that that was the God that she was looking at, too. It was yeah. this, like, like this bartering relationship, and there was this list of rules. And, and breaking away from, I'm not saying, get up at 5 a.m. If that blesses you and that is where you meet him and it is good and it is well with you, and yes, do that. But if you feel like you have to, there, there's something that you have to, you know, process there. Right. He asked nothing of this ego on the cross but his belief. And in that, that's where we grow. That's where we fall in love. We don't fall in love with somebody that's, that's you know. And I even used the example, I've been up all night with a foster baby that was hurt and sat in this chair all night and then slept through my alarm and then berated myself all day because I didn't get up at 5 a.m. and read my Bible. Yeah. And Did you would you call that one your high school Jesus or or fifth grade Jesus? That was more that that probably goes back to fifth grade Jesus. Everything always ends up going back to fifth fifth grade Jesus for me. Fifth grade Jesus is when I was baptized and saved, and then held back into the fourth grade instead of getting to go to the fifth grade. And all my friends basically never spoke to me again. And I'd been baptized and saved with them. And so they were my sisters in Christ. And so I thought yeah. that they were going to, you know, still love me. And and I don't begrudge them anything. They were little girls. Right. But I just remember at that point thinking, okay, if you don't make straight A's and you're not in the in crowd, then you're not a sister in Christ. And I took him with me. He, I, I have to take him off quite a bit because yeah. he's a nuisance, a perfection nuisance. Um, but... You know, every, and I think a lot of people, just especially fifth grade Jesus, is the one I hear the most from people. Just Explain what fifth grade Jesus that, is. If someone says, yeah. you know, help them understand that. 
The the fifth grade Jesus was when I was when these this group of fifth grade girls rejected me because I got held back to the fourth grade and they had been in my baptism and salvation classes and we were all best friends and then um and did everything together and I had a gang. It was the first time that I had a gang in um because we moved so much and I went to register for school, and when I came back, they were waiting for me because we were going to go ride bikes. And I said, I um, got held back to the fourth grade, and none of them ever spoke to me again. And this was huge because we'd just all been baptized and saved together. Right. And so, so how did that they shape had each other, you, and I had no one. How yeah. did that shape how you saw Jesus? I just saw him as somebody that expected you to not get held back, to make straight A's to be in the in crowd, to be smart, not dyslexic, to not struggle in school. And he just, I just instantly believed that he was almost like an educator, that he yeah. expected perfection. And I'll tell you, I have a master's degree. I'm barely graduated from high school, but I have a master's degree. And I remember on the morning of my graduation from graduate school, I had given birth like two days before. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Like you're not a bum, wondering, girl. <laughs> yeah. Wondering if it was going to be enough. Oh. Wondering if this was going to be enough. And I have a journal where I wrote in that. Are you pleased with me? Can I, you know, is this, is this, am I going to get rid of this feeling? And I didn't know that that's who he was. I didn't know right. that it was fifth grade Jesus until I put the yeah. book together. But, Right. He followed me for a long time, and he has a lot of student loan debt. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, the, um, you know, I want to read um, a section from your book, um, what you call Americanized Jesus. And okay. you said, Americanized Jesus encourages me to love myself as I am. He tells me self-esteem is the key to happiness and that I should work towards that, work harder to avoid things that hurt or make me feel inadequate. Americanized Jesus is the one I call on when I need my cappuccino to have just the right amount of foam, when I think I can't face another day until I get my Swedish massage. He's the one I beg to wipe away the carbs and fat grams from my extra large plate of fettuccine Alfredo. And I love you. You're like, and I'm mortified that I need to whine about this. It's the size of my bum that is a truly first world issue that should be easily resolved with some self-control, which is an attribute of the fruit of the spirit if I would only try harder. Americanized Jesus and I chatter about it often and I am readily ashamed. And you go on to say, Americanized Jesus comes from bearing Italian leather with seat warmers and loves a giddy, fuzzy f- feeling after I sing loud praise and worship songs. And I propose that this is a key factor in a missing out on the real Jesus. From the self-inflicted guilty comfort of my elaborate home, Jesus had been harder to find. Further from my reach, I was distracted. I was spoiled. I had a Jesus fish watermark on my cheeks, and I gave my exact 10%. And in return, I expected Jesus to grant my wishes for ease and affluence. Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying that, I realize um, one of the things about Americanized Jesus that I think is so true is it's just me. It's just my mind. It's just the way that I think. And I gave him those characteristics. Right. It's just life in America, which... I used to berate myself for and think that I needed to go live in a village somewhere and, you know, things had to be harder and he needed this and this and this from me. And, and, you know, it was a constant battle of the mind and I attributed it to Jesus. 
And really, it's just me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just me and the stuff that I'm used to. It's me and the stuff that I want. It's me and where I live. And the real reality of it is, Jesus knows full well where I live. He knows that I, you know, of Scottish-Norwegian descent, and I ended up in Texas, <laughs> and that my husband makes this amount of money, and that I'm, you know, that we live in this nice house, and he knows those things. So the battle of the mind for feeling guilty over those things or, you know, making him as though he's does or doesn't care, I think is actually the issue, is that he's just good. He's just my father. He's just on this yeah. life ride with me. Instead of making him into this, you know, raging beast that gets mad because um, I spent too much on my Coles card or someone that is ashamed of me or any of the any of the things that I that I attributed to him really and truly came back to just my mind. Yeah. Just simply my mind. And I actually can really testify to this. You know, yesterday we got a phone call um, and a foster placement that we had had. They needed an emergency placement for her. And they didn't realize that the, the caseworker didn't know that we weren't in the same county anymore. And um, I can tell you that a year and a half ago, if that had happened, I would have killed myself to get back to that county, to make things right, to make things fit, to make it happen because I was so awful for having moved, because I wasn't doing my part, because she was lost and alone, you know, all of these things. And in this place where I am, I got off the phone and I went, Jesus, I am so glad I have an opportunity to pray for her. And If I said Jesus once yesterday after I got off the phone, I said it a hundred times. He is the only answer. He's the only answer. He's the only one that could make me peaceful about that. He's the only answer. And it isn't about where I moved, and it isn't about me. And in a lot of ways, it's not even about her. It's about how he moves in our lives, and he adores us, and he will take care of this. And me trying to fix it or feel guilty or ashamed or ranting and raving about the system or any of those things don't serve her or me, and they take away from him. You know, I think there's something really important about understanding and getting set free from the things we put ourselves in bondage to, like your need to go and help that foster kid. And, you know, even though it really wasn't in the realm of what God was asking you to do. Um, but you have such a heart to just serve Jesus and, and however he's calling you. But sometimes we have a need to serve him in a place we're not being called to just because we love him. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that can really mess us up when we see, you know, mission trips that we can't go on. Or like you said, you've got a nice home and you're not living poor, dirt poor. And that's what you were taught is the best, mm-hmm. you know, people who love Jesus the most give up everything and go become a missionary. Um, and so I think a lot of people entering into, you know, especially this holiday season, it's about Christmas trees and presents and all of that. And yet there's there can be a false guilt that hovers over us because we're not making Jesus the reason for the season. And and honestly, I think the grace filled and giving Jesus that I know says, I am there celebrating with you. It is so fun to watch you emulate me in buying gifts for people that you love and singing songs that are full of joy. And, and I think there's a way we can blend the two. 
you know, where we don't have to take him. We don't want to take him out entirely. But when we're enjoying our family in the holiday festivities, it's okay for him to be there with us and not be dishonored by us. Does that make sense? Oh, gosh, yes. And I I mean, I I was going to say, we we had talked about earlier, you know, that there's always a list of ways to get closer to Jesus. And we're starting to see this now and you know, blog posts and little things that are coming up on Facebook, you know, how to make the most out of this Advent season, how to get this or this out of your Advent season, how to make this happen. And and it is, there there are ways, you know, there's traditions and things, I think, that, that, that bring the focus back to Him. And, of course, we need that. But when those don't happen, and, you know, you know maybe it's a season, this particular Advent season is going to involve some grief for you or... You know, it's a, a season of loss or there's financial mm-hmm. struggles or any of those things that take away from it. It doesn't do anybody any good, especially you, mm-hmm. <laughs> to add to that guilt that you believe is coming from Jesus. Because it's not. There is no mm-hmm. condemnation in Jesus Christ. You can blow through this Advent season and never even give him a nod. And guess what? He still loves you. Right. You can blow through this Advent season and have the best ever you know, religious or or spiritual or whatever you want to call it, and remember it for always, and he was still with you. But the added guilt, I think, that that we put on ourselves for it being too much or not enough or the stresses and then adding to that this this mean Jesus that is, like, mad at us because of the way that we did it right or wrong or however doesn't help anything. And so I, I think that the main thing, the, my main chant anymore, and especially as we come into to Advent, though, is, you know, there's no condemnation in Christ. All the years that I felt guilty because I went overboard in gifts or, you know, we did this or we didn't do this, none of that came from Christ. All of that was in my head, and all of that was, you know, this, this pick at Jamie's spirit that I got accustomed to, and I attributed it to Jesus. But that's not who he is. I cannot be separated from the love of this Jesus. I walk in his favor. He died for me. He loves Mm -hmm. me. He is my God, and he is all good, and there is no condemnation in Christ. If that was your only chant for the rest of Advent, I can just promise you, and that is the message of grace, because that is why he came and died, is so that we could walk in the freedom of knowing and loving him and believing him, not believing, just believing in him, believing him and believing him. It changes everything. Amen. That's so good. So the stolen Jesus painting is still in your house. Is that right? Yes. I'm looking at him right now. And do you decorate him for Christmas? I don't. Oh, Um, no, not even a little garland. No, I haven't. He's he's usually on the mantle at our ranch house. The stockings would go underneath him, but now he's on the mantle. And we have a, we're in this crazy house that um, is a friend of my dad's that we're helping take care of, and and it's and and renting kind of it's like an arrangement, and it's like ten thousand square feet. Oh my gosh! So I have like four living. <laughs> it's so weird, and it's it's awesome. But nobody had lived here for twelve years, and oh. so. We're kind of bringing life back to it. But the minute that I walked into this kitchen, it has a living sitting area yeah. with a fireplace, and it doesn't have a mantle. But the Aww. minute that I walked in, I knew that that's where I wanted him, <laughs> over this mantle. And 
I don't know. There's something about him. I remember this painting, and I know you said you'd put him in the show notes, but there's some people that just don't like him and this particular portrayal of him. He's um, in the Mormon church. This is the Jesus that they used, and so um, it's the first image I ever had of Christ, and there's just something about him that is so nourishing to me. And Mm. so I haven't ever decorated him, but... This year, because there's no mantle underneath this stone fireplace, I mean, maybe he needs a garland or something. <laughs> you know, and now <laughs> that I think about it, we don't need to add anything to Jesus to make him look better. <laughs> yeah, the cross, yeah, the cross, the cross plus nothing. The cross but, plus um, nothing. Yeah. So shame on me for nothing. thinking that. But um. no, not at all. Because actually, you know, it's funny. Um, there, I I get pictures all the time from different people, um, showing me their their Jesus that that the image that they have of him. And thank you for having me. This was fun. My cheeks hurt from smiling. It was just a fun conversation. So oh, good. I appreciate it. I'm and so I'm glad. glad that you liked the book. That means a lot to me. So. I loved the book. And, and I realized, too, I want to let the readers know, Jamie actually has an amazing sense of humor. And we didn't really get to some of that in the podcast. But when you read this book, you will laugh out loud. And I'm just <laughs> going to give a couple things away. I think... Some of my favorite, um, your moments in the book, you're so honest and real. And I'm like, I don't know if I could ever share my most embarrassing moments. But there's a, and both of these things happened in a store, which I find interesting. Her hair got caught in the um, shopping cart. So she was bent over and had to wheel it back into the store to get her hair on caught. With my kids in it. With your kids in it and your bum sticking out. And then the second one had to do with your bum as well. And that was uh, you were in the store and your skirt had gotten caught under the wheel and it just totally was around your ankles. And so um, and you actually heard someone take a picture and you keep waiting for that to show up on the Internet someday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because naked in Walmart, there's always the naked in Walmart on BuzzFeed, you know. Oh, my gosh. The people that are in a pr- and I was naked. And, I mean, I was in my underwear in Walmart. Well, I just hope that comes out in Jesus' name to promote this book. Let's just be honest. Are you willing to show your bum in order for Jesus to be glorified? That is the real question. I, I, you know, I guess so. You know, if if, if it means that people, if if it means that captives are set free, but oh my gosh, I hate to think of what it looks like. I was, I was, I'd been sick, so I know it's really mushy. Oh my gosh. Well, I just think some of those stories are hilarious. So um, I encourage everyone to go get this book and, and read it. You will not be able to put it down. And, and Jamie, as we just wrap up, will you tell people, um, you have social media, you have a website, but can you um, just let them know your website and your social media handle? Yes, um, I actually, um, my website is sacredgroundstickyfloors.com. And then on Facebook, if you either can look on, type in Jamie Amarine Sacred Ground Sticky Floors, and the handle is actually Sacred Ground Sticky Floors. Okay. And then on Pinterest, it's Sacred Ground Sticky Floors. But on Twitter, I'm Jamie Amarine. So okay. at, at Jamie Amarine, J-A-M-I-A-M-E-R-I-N-E. Great. So, and I would love to hook up with anybody and just visit. I love, I love my readers. They're, yeah. they're the best. Well, I encourage all the readers, take your picture of your stolen Jesus um, <laughs> and share that with her. I know I'll do that. Um, I'll take a picture of my sisters and send that to you. Um, yes, I, please. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I just pray that everybody who, you know, had a different view of who Jesus was, whether you grew up in a religion um, that, that really didn't show the grace-filled um 
Just anyone who grew up in a religion that didn't show Jesus as grace-filled and offering you the empowerment to just love him and be loved and love others, that you would pick up this book, you would meet with Jesus in a totally different way. Um, So thank you again, Jamie, for being on the podcast, and I hope we can do it again soon. Awesome. I'd love to. That'd be great. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Jill Monaco Show. You can find more from Jamie when you go to jillmonaco.com slash episode 13. Just click on the show notes to find all the links that we mentioned today. And so you don't miss a future episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. When you do that, my friends, you really help other people find it. So I would love for you to subscribe and uh, leave a review. If you know someone that would be blessed by this conversation with Jamie, please share the podcast with your friends on social media so I can continue the conversation with you over there. Tag me at at Jill Monaco. All right, my friends, thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, love well, you were made for it.